to the Better Golf Podcast, powered by Win Daily Sports, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. Better Golf Pod Nation, welcome back to the show, and we are glad you decided to make us a part of your weekly research process. I know I speak for both Nick and myself when I say the support means a ton for the growth of this program. I will bypass any WM Phoenix open talk since if you follow Nick on Twitter at Sticks that is Sticks with an X, I am sure you saw that he made his way out to Las Vegas last week. There were massive wins posted online over the few <laughs> days you were here. I actually got to experience some of that fun of yours on Saturday when we met up at Caesars Palace. Uh, first off, Nick, I appreciate you welcoming me into your inner circle and introducing me to all your friends. Uh, I will say this, and I think I texted you this also. You have a really good and close-knit group of people around you. I like to all those guys a ton. And then second, I am hoping that the heater started back up again at some point and you left the town up money. Yeah, no, it was a great time. So thanks for coming out. Uh, great lunch. We went to an Italian spot at Caesars. I got some gnocchi with a big-ass meatball in there. It was fantastic. Uh, basketball parlay was looking good until UNLV ruined the uh, the backdoor cover there. At Story the end, of my which, life. Yeah, pretty pretty fun to watch. Um we did hit a two more hand pays on Sunday or Monday morning after the Super Bowl to come out ahead. I know we were winning left and right, um, but I donated a lot to the uh, high level blackjack table. So, um, you know, as it's not like that's a flex or anything. The reason I play that is because it seems like every damn blackjack table in Vegas that's less than $100 or $200 on the Super Bowl weekend because everything's inflated with how crowded it was. It was just a mob of people, but so many blackjack tables now all went to six to five, which if you're not a blackjack player or anything like that, maybe it doesn't matter to you. But to me, you know, we're mathematically back to guys like every edge matters and losing, you know, going from six or three to two odds to six to five on a blackjack just is something I don't believe in. So I won't play on those tables. And you saw it too, like the, we were at the, at one table in Caesars, I think I won like the first two or three hands and started to play progressive. And some dude just sits down with like $200 on a $100 table, which whatever, that's fine. That's within the rules. You can come sit down, but didn't even ask like, Hey, do you want me to wait off the shoe? Um, just sits down, puts his money out. And of course I lose the hand. And I think we all got like, I would have had 20 had he not set in. So it just, I got up and left. So, you know, props to me for having the <laughs> the restraint to hold and, and just leave the table. So I'm glad you were there because maybe you were the good influence. Because if I was by myself or if I was drinking, I'd probably try to sit it out or sit through it and, and fix the deck. It just wasn't going to happen. So great time though, overall. But yeah, uh, Blackjack was horrible for me during the week. Craps was awesome. Uh, we had a buddy come uh, for the first time, never really gambled at a casino before besides like slot machines and the occasional blackjack or roulette hand, but we taught him craps and dude, he hit seven points in a row. Um, I think that was Saturday night. Yeah, it was Saturday night and we just got crazy hot on that. Obviously we stayed a little bit too long. I started pressing all my bets. Uh, we got cold on craps after that, but just a great, great time. Then we went to Circa after the Super Bowl on Sunday had a great time there too. I uh, did the whole old Vegas thing and went to Golden Nugget. Uh, ended up at White Castle like 3 a.m. So that's fun. Um, would not recommend that in Vegas after drinking all day, going to White <laughs> Castle at 3 a.m. when you got a flight the next morning. But yeah, overall, great time. We did end up ahead a little bit. I donated a lot back to in Blackjack and staying at the crab table too long. But 10 out of 10, good time. Probably my favorite time in Vegas. Super Bowl is awesome. Um, you know, obviously a little bit of a ref show, maybe at the end, the ball was uncatchable, the juju, but I was drinking at the time. So, you know, 
Um, I'm not going to say I was like just completely dialed in, but it looked like the receiver was within five yards. I guess it was kind of a hold. I thought it was more just physical press coverage, but threw the ball 15 yards over Juju's head and they called it, uh, you know, automatic first down too, which is, this is the weirdest thing about defensive holding in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I, great to see Scotty win. I did not have a ticket. I think we were talking about it on this show or on the action show that we yep. were looking for a little bit better number. We both really like Scotty, but just couldn't get there. But Tommy Fleetwood absolutely wrecked my card. None of my card was good anyway. I didn't really have a big card, but uh, J.J. Spawn sucked, so I do apologize. I didn't mean to make him the hammer kid. Tommy Fleetwood was 100% the hammer kid. I will own that. And he was so low owned in DFS. I think the main tournament that I play, he was five or four percent in the single entry, and then in the MME, he was like five point five. So I loved the leverage there, and I recommended him to anybody that asked. So I got to wear that one that just sucked. He missed the cut on the number. Um, even after birdieing sixteen, after the delay, he had to come back out Saturday morning to see if he's going to make the cut. Made par on seventeen. We really needed the the birdie there to make the cut. But yeah, that sucks. I think it was Cam Young's putt par saving putt yeah essentially an 18 in round two that kept the cut line at plus one so that sucks uh bizayden how it was a i don't think we actually ended up going on that ticket that was someone i was looking at pendrith was someone i was looking at he sucked brennan Steele kind of fell apart at the end but yeah fleetwood was my main guy and it sucked yeah i i think you might have been a week early on fleetwood this yeah, feels I like, like a nice i like him again this week i yeah. do like him again this week uh, but it's probably gonna gonna hurt my feelings but i mean this i think this is just going to be the future of golf at least for these about elevated events like you know is mathematically backed as we all are like we're always trying to find value and there's always you know the sexiness and picking a, a big long shot i just don't know if that's going to be the case anytime soon yeah sure nick taylor popped in but I, I really didn't feel at all he ever had a chance to win that tournament he played fantastic was a monster dfs play but other than that, you know, I, I did not get there in DFS either. So just to be totally clear there, but like, I think that's just what we're going to see. And I think we're going to see it again this week at the Genesis. Yeah. I think if somebody's going to win from off the pace and like, I'm talking about guys that are like 70 to one to 125 to one, it seems so much more likely that it's going to be a Tommy Fleetwood or, or a Shane Lowry or, you know, Keegan Bradley, somebody that actually yeah. has like a, a pedigree to them that we've 100%. seen them compete in tournaments like this before, whether it is winning a major with Lowry or Bradley, or we've seen Fleetwood on the European tour beat a lot of these guys before, but it's really hard for me to imagine that we're going to have a Nick Taylor win one of these tournaments. It's just, doesn't seem like that's the state of golf right now. And it, it's difficult. It's made these outright boards tough to maneuver through because you're really looking at the cream going to rise to the top with it. And then, I have so many complaints when it comes to placement markets and matchup markets. It's just, it I, sucks. I, again, it sucks this week. It's somehow getting worse, Nick. Like I didn't think it was possible. I don't even have a head to head wager this week. And the one that I liked would have been Patrick Rogers over Kurt Kitayama. That was over on bet online. It was at minus minus one twenty. that thing within me writing my article for Rotoballer moved to like minus minus one fifty before I could get the article out. And like that there's the week and head to head bets. Like there was nothing else I could come to. Unless I wanted to bet, you know, a star versus star type of battle. Like I, I considered yeah. Cantley over Morikawa, but that's not my motto of how I try to build any of these bets for me. So uh, I'm just going to sit it out and hopefully when we have a non-elevated event or a non-designated event, they'll be a little bit better in that regard because hopefully my model can find an edge there. 
Yeah, it does suck. I, th- I think it's, I would echo everything you said and literally what you were saying, like the, maybe the only win equity in my opinion, and apparently yours as well, are those guys with quote unquote pedigree. And I wrote these guys down for like long shots to take a look at. Even then I couldn't really get there. It wasn't a ton of value for me, but KH Lee was one of them. He's a winner on tour, probably not someone I think could compete with this loaded of a field, but someone I wrote down, Keegan Bradley, Seth Segala, butcher his name every time. Um, I do like him at this venue. I would have put his number like if I was the bookmaker right around 90. I couldn't find anything longer than 75 to 1, so I couldn't really get there. Um, Keith Mitchell, and that was pretty much, and Siwoo Kim. But you know, I obviously am a fanboy with Siwoo Kim, but again, like all those guys that I just mentioned have either won a tournament or guys like the Galler are up and coming and clearly yeah, have exactly. the pedigree to be a, a, a top tier golfer. So, yeah, I would never get to a guy like Nick Taylor. Last week, he just had a fantastic weekend of golf. But, yeah, that is uh, that is my opinion on the outright side of the betting board is it's going to be really, really tough to find. Oh, I mean, I just don't know if it's even worth it to bet a long shot unless it's a guy that clearly has pedigree and it's just more of a number grab or a great course fitter or something like that. But you're going to have to get four fantastic rounds out of these guys to beat the John Roms, to beat Scotty Scheffler, to beat Rory McElroy, to beat – you know who the hell everybody's in this tournament i'm not really going to mention tiger woods or jason anything day. like that but yeah yeah jason day now that's <laughs> right jt's coming alive i mean he was fantastic on the weekend xander seems 100 percent healthy um Finau, i mean dude if Finau could put Finau might win he, this week that's what he was my favorite guy like same situation with scotty last week how much i like scotty just couldn't get there i needed a 20 to 1 number on Finau, yeah. and i can't get it it's the exact problem I've run into. I have tried everything in my power to get a ticket on the Finau at a price that I wanted, and it never came to fruition for me. And I have a feeling we're walking this right back into a Scotty Scheffler situation or even Justin Rose for me at Pebble. I wanted a couple points more there and couldn't get it. <clears throat> we could say the same thing for Siwoo Kim at the Sony Open. I feel like it's been the year for me of near misses where there's a lot of guys that are top 10 win equity plays for me that I technically have a little bit of value on, but I don't want to bet it at the number that it's at. Like I want a couple points more and that greed has caught me every single time. And with the way I built my card, I don't really have room for fee now. That's the problem now. Like I went near the top on two options and it's hard to go near the top three times in a row with it. So like, Finau, Sung JM, those are two players that unfortunately I just couldn't get to when push came to shove with it. But I'm terrified we're in this situation again where next Tuesday it's like, oh, Finau won or oh, Sung J won. And there again, I'm not on the ticket. Yep. I think that's just good. I mean, I'm not going to risk, you know, two, three, four units in the outright market each week. Yeah. And that's pretty much like the way for me is that's the only way I would have got to Scotty last week is to bet an inflated amount on the outright market, which I don't want to do. But I don't know. I mean, this year of golf is different than in years past. So maybe us as betters too need to maybe adjust what we're doing and find different edges that way. But yeah, I, uh, I'm a little nervous. Yeah. Cause I, I do, I love Fino and that's usually a guy I don't bet. So, um, it, it must mean something, I guess there, but yeah. So like in terms of outrights real quick, I'll just run through mine quickly Perfect. then we can get to DFS or whatever. Cause I don't really have a, big betting board by any means i'm still going to look it over a little bit more tonight and tomorrow um see if we can get some movement elsewhere but the shortest i went in the outright market was patrick cantlay at 25 to 1 i don't really love him coming off the miscut but i'll just kind of bet on the come that 
he is not that bad of a ball striker than that he was last week. Maybe just a bad week for him, but he hasn't looked great at all this season. So I just feel like, again, my numbers have Patrick Cantlay for clarity here. Where is the number at 18.75 to one? So 25 to one was the biggest edge I had for the most part up top. So I just, I took that because I did have the room for it. And I do kind of like to buy low on Patrick Cantlay. That's a guy I do seem to trust a little bit. Keith Mitchell at 100 to one. He was the one of those five guys that I mentioned earlier, the one that I had the highest edge on. Not sure I like that, but I had him at 88 to one. So 12 points of value there was kind of enough to get there. I, I feel like I forced that ticket. I was on the fence about Victor Hovland at 28 to one. I know everybody talks about around the green at Riviera, but this is a course that he just seems to tear up. He's got great proximities from those ranges on the fairway and off. Did not get there yet. Wanted your opinion on that one. But my favorite ticket and my favorite golfer to get exposure to this week, pending ownership in DFS, it looks a little high right now, but maybe a clear misprice. Jordan Spieth. I, I like Jordan Spieth a lot. I think he found his swing a little bit last week. He's more of a guy that just passes my eye test. Obviously, it's Jordan Spieth. He's got the pedigree and everything like that, but not a really good start to the year. But he's pounding the ball off the tee. And that's kind of what I looked at for guys that I want to get exposure to this week are guys that are gaining in distance consistently getting strokes off the tee, which Jordan has not. But last week I just saw enough to, you know, if the worst thing about his game is his putter, I will trust it that he'll do well on Riviera greens, which he has done historically throughout his career. And then a, another shot on Tom Kim at 45 to one. Don't really love him, but it was just a good number grab. I have him at 30 to one. So that was my biggest edge. That's probably a little bit of an error on my numbers being a little too inflated for recent success. Um, but yeah, I mean, his iron play was surprisingly bad at waste management. So again, my numbers expect him to be significantly better with his um, approach play. And I just like that he handled those fast screens at Phoenix a lot better than I thought he would. So I'll take 45 to one for for Tom Kim and then Tommy Fleetwood at 125 earlier this week. Um, but you can get 110 right now. I probably wouldn't go any shorter than 110. But thoughts on Fleetwood, Kim, Spieth, Mitchell, Cantlay, and then honorable mention to Victor Hovland. I don't think I'm going to get there with Hovland, though. The Spieth thing that you said is interesting. I, I can never get him right. And my model doesn't love him this week which probably means that he's going to perform well. I like saw I, that. that. That did scare me a little bit, but when I saw 41, I actually, he was the highest leverage I had. I have him at 25 to one. So 15 flat. So very similar to Tom Kim. Yeah. I, well, I think he's interesting just because we know that he has the pedigree at any point to go out and win a tournament. And I don't know if I necessarily trust certain parts of his game, but as you said, and it's kind of the, the same comment to give, like in a different way when we talk about Victor Hovland. So these are really big greens at Riviera. I think that that helps Hovland a little bit just because his proximity numbers are so good. He's going to hit a lot of greens in regulation. Sure. If he hits it into the sand, that's kind of where the problem is, but he has a lot of room to work with. And he also can putt from off the surface. I, I tend to think that Hovland gets an increase in win equity when he can putt from off the surface rather than have to chip. <laughs> yep. So I don't know. He, I looked into him. He was 10th in my model overall. I, he kind of had negative trajectory for win upside or win equity at the end of the day, but like one of my favorite plays and I got him at 30 to one. So I got a better price than you did when the week started, but I took Patrick Cantlay at no, that I number. I, I like, I had accurate at 24 to one. So I'm not quite as aggressive or bullish as you are on him, but it's one of those situations where I think the value can be found since 
you know, the elite players are never more than a shot or two away from turning it around at any point with their game. And I'm not so sure that Cantlay is as off as everybody thinks he is. He entered last week with 20 consecutive rounds of shooting par or better. I know that enters some of the 2022 stats into the mix. All we hear from anybody this season is that he's changed his clubs and he hasn't necessarily looked right during any of these weeks. But I mean, the one thing I'll say to that, California, fast Poa greens, that's always the recipe for success with Cantlay. And I've made this argument so many times in, in different, I guess, way of making it, not necessarily for like a California tournament or, or these specific greens, but it's like the argument that I always make with Justin Thomas, because Thomas is a golfer whose odds drift way too far, way too frequently. You know, he'll go from being a 12 to one golfer. And then when he gets one of those cold stretches, he drifts out to 30 to one. And I usually hit Justin Thomas. Like I think I've hit more outrights on him than anybody else, just because I bet on the upside with him when that number reaches that price there. And to me, Cantley has a lot of that same skill set to him to where there's high upside. The short game metrics look really good. We put him now on a course where he's found success in the past. Uh, so I liked him at 30 to one. And then I can't believe I'm doing this because I swore off doing this like Standard. two years. Yes. Two years yes. ago, I told you I'm not <laughs> doing it anymore. I got Xander at 19 to one. I don't mm. even want to admit what Xander was proper in my model. Like something was clearly broken with it on the back end, but for whatever it's worth, he was the favorite to win this tournament. So that's when you know something's gone wrong. I love it. I do see. I got your model pulled up now. Number one cash, number one GPP at 9,900 too. That makes a lot of sense from the cash side, but I love it. It's a week. I don't have them too. So that scares me a little bit, but yeah, no. Um, how you feel about Cantlay is, I mean, I obviously feel the same if I got there. Um, I, I, I love Jordan Spieth. I think this is, he was dude top 15 in TD green every single round last week. I, he's just a guy when he gets out, I'm going to play him. And again, I just, I think he's been working on a swing a lot. It's obviously his pre-shot routine and everything looks pretty goofy, but like Jason day too, like guys that just find their form quick, like they find it quick and they stay hot. So um, Jordan Speed's going to be my guy, the uh, unofficial hammer kid of the week. I don't know if I can actually hammer kid a minus minus one fifty, even though we did it last year with Scotty at the waste management, I'm going to go Jordan Speed top 40 on FanDuel is minus minus one fifty. Um, I have that at minus 225. Most of the market has it at minus 190 to minus 185, I guess, is the shortest outside of uh, or the, the longest, I should say, outside of FanDuel. So 150 on FanDuel. Are you okay with that ticket? Or is he, is like he a guy that's too risky? It's, for me, it's just that he passed my eye test last week. Again, I was drinking a lot in Vegas, but you know, so take a warning there. That's maybe why it's the unofficial hammer kid. Cause I don't know if I want to put my name by that after being on, on you know, a three and a half day bender, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, he passed my eye test. I'm trusting Jordan Spieth here. Even when he wasn't in good form the last two years, he's finished inside that number with ease. I think 20, let me pull it up here. Tied 26 last year, tied 15th in 2021. Um, and again, if, if the, like the sketchy part about Jordan Spieth is his potter, I'll just trust that he figures that out. Well, here's what I like about Jordan Spieth even beyond, and I guess kind of going with what you just said there. So when I look at his putting statistics, 96th overall for me, that's from a two year running perspective. When I Brutal. put him on just fast POA, he jumps up to 20th. So 
I think that that's what we're looking for when we're trying to find that upside with Spieth. Because at the end of the day, he's going to win a golf tournament when the when the putter catches fire. And if a fast surface like this, and look, I don't think it's like a direct comp of a course, and I'm not a comp course person in general, but I, I, there are some weird similarities around the greens, I guess, more so than anything with Augusta. Like you have the undulation, you have the really fast surface. You have some of these like two tiered and three tiered layouts or setups of the greens where they contour in different directions and you have to kind of trust putts and you have to start at five feet from outside the cup and just trust that it's going to work back in with it. Mm -hmm. Imagination with Jordan Spieth is always an interesting thing to try to target. And he increases in my model when I looked at the weighted tee to green that I ran, like he jumped just outside the top 20 for me. So I think it's an interesting price. And, and if you have an edge, like I'm not going to talk you out of it. I don't, I don't dislike Jordan speak to the point where he's unplayable to me. I, I always worry about exactly what we're going to get, but um, my model did not hate him. I mean, I know that's not exactly the answer that you're looking for, but it was, he was kind of there for me and there's realistic reasons to believe that this should be a tournament that he should find success. And we've seen him find success here in the past, as you said, with, probably a game type and a game version of him that isn't as crisp as it is right now. Yeah. I mean, if, if the worst part about his game, like the only bad part about his game last week was putting, I will, I'll, I'll take that. The variance goes my favorite in the fast pole greens. Like you said there, That's kind I mean, of if you take, if you take away like stroke C and putting for him, I know that's a weird thing to say, or just put him like a, a little bit above average for who he is. Like he, he finishes second last week. Cause Scotty just played awesome. There's, no doubt about that. Number one stroke scene approach, number one stroke scene TD green. And obviously he put fantastic. He was in the top 15 there. Speed was over 50th. So um, just put him in the top 25 as a putter, which I believe he is on tour. And like you said, 20th in your model on fast pole greens, put that this week. I, I think we're looking at a good spot for Jordan Speed. Yeah. That's the same answer that I kind of gave with Justin Thomas too. Like if the ball yep. striking's there and the putter is the only thing that's not working, I'll just continue to bet on that upside there. But I guess let's, I mean, unless you want to talk about the course, I, I say we skip the course breakdown this week. Yeah. Let's or, go right into uh DFS. Perfect. So let's start in the uh, 10,000 and up range. All right. Let me load it up here. So yeah, just real quick too, like, right, cause we'll start with John Rahm's going to be the most expensive golfer, 11, or $400 higher than Scotty Scheffler. What are your thoughts on just John Rahm in general? Because like we've been saying for a while, the reason I, I really didn't go overweight or play much Rory at all last week is he was kind of him and Rahm. I did go with Rahm. I chose one. I didn't know. If, obviously, you didn't have to. But if you played Scotty Scheffler and Rahm together and somehow got one of these cheaper values, it was going to be a fantastic lineup. Obviously, if you had Nick Taylor, John Rahm, and Scotty Scheffler, as long as you had three guys make the cut, you probably had, you know, close to the nuts. But are you interested in playing John Rahm at 11.1K? It's going to be over 20% owned. Again, I think that's just the, the state of the PGA Tour right now, and especially for DFS. Like he is going to be popular every single week. Do you have any interest in any of those three guys, or any of those four, I guess? Justin Thomas, 10.1K now, massive price hike from last week. Um, like you said, his prices and everything just seem to jump very quickly. Like when he gets hot, yeah. the, the market seems to, like he's the best golfer on the tour. Rory McIlroy, I can't say anything wrong about him. He just, you know, was a bad putter last week. I'm, I'm okay with that. I think Riviera is a perfect course for him. Scotty, I think it's a perfect course for any course in the world right now is a perfect course for Scotty with how he just, he's a complete golfer and this is a complete golf course. 
and then John Rahm. It's like if these guys don't top five, even then, like John Rahm, he got third last week. You didn't need him to win GPPs. I think all the GPPs that I looked at did not have John Rahm. I think second place finishers, third place finishers, sure, but they're just not worth it at some point. And if I really like, I like Xander a ton, you like Xander a ton at 99, 9.9K, like I feel like I'd rather go there than. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with Scotty. Rom, I think I'm going to pass on this week. So I guess this is how I'll answer that question. If if you bypass the $10,000 and up range completely, I don't hate it. I think there's a realistic route to, to go that way this week and start with a Xander. I know he's going to be popular, but maybe start with a Xander. Like, same answer with Finau. Those are two very popular golfers. But we're looking about the same ownership across the board. For my numbers... I sure. think if I was to play one of them, it would probably be John Rom. I yeah, just don't. Over Rory. I think so. I just don't know how at this point. I mean, Rom is. Well, <laughs> I know he's not winning all these tournaments, but man, Rom with everything. Yeah, like he is almost winning in the final group, producing top ten finishes like crazy, having a realistic chance to win almost every single event that he's in right now. Um. I don't love some of the statistical perspectives that I ran for him. And I think that if you keep this solely from some of the short game metrics that I worry about, like the sand save percentage, it would be the putting from five to 10 feet, the three putt avoidance. Those are all numbers that have some concerns in my model. And I mean, if that's the reason why you don't want to play ROM, I would completely understand it, but I, I don't know. I mean, like if we're comparing ROM with Scheffler, Rory and Thomas, are you going to one of those instead of him? Like, and, and I asked that question, like, before you give me an answer, the ownership is going to be very similar across the board on all four of them. So you're not going to get an ownership discount going one way or the other here. Sure. You can get a price decrease. If you want to argue to me that like Thomas for a thousand dollars less, but I would rather almost just take the safety and the upside with Ron than deal with the volatility of Thomas. Cause yeah, like I know a lot of people like Thomas this week. My model kind of believes he's going to be the number one owned player on the board. I think that that's a very likely scenario. It's probably going to be him or Finau in my opinion, but I, I don't know. I, I I literally can't find a reason not to want to at least consider playing wrong. Yeah, I mean, a top 10 finish in 12 of his last 13 events. Sure, some of them are kind of weird events, but uh, yeah, I don't. I just don't know what to do with that, that price. And I mean, yeah, the ownership's not going to be terrible. 20% is fine. Um, Rory or Scotty? I think overall, though, we're both going to be out on JT if he's the highest owned player in the tournament, right? I would lean that direction. I just think there's too much volatility with them. Like, I, I like it, kind of goes back to what I said about the betting market. I like Justin Thomas when I can get him at 30 to one. I like Justin Thomas like last week when people are not in, as inclined to want to play him and you can get him in the $9,000 range. I think this price jump here is a little substantial. doesn't mean he can't win the tournament. He clearly has win equity to go out here and win it, but we don't have to look any further than his performances at this tournament in the past. It's like a sixth, a miscut, a miscut, a second, a ninth. He's all over the map. So if you're telling me that he's going to be one of, if not the highest owned players, I'll probably look the other way when I think Rom has better win equity, obviously. Like that's not, that's not making a statement that I, I think anybody out there would probably should be making the same statement. If you're making a different answer than that, probably running something wrong there. But um, yeah, I'm probably out on Thomas. I, I guess to answer the question, I would rather play Rory, but 
I don't necessarily have a what sorry Nick over Scotty too yes I I think so I think Rory would be my second choice but I don't even know how much I want to go there like to me I'm fine picking one of the four being a little bit more exposed to the Xander Finau route than I probably should be with their ownership and just finding ways to get unique there's a lot of golfers in this like seven thousand dollar section even the eight thousand dollar range um you know there's the one that's the most frustrating to me because this is not how this week started would have been Patrick Cantlay. I initially saw Patrick Cantlay at like sub 10%. And now this whole thing has run crazy with everybody seeming to want to play him. And I'm still fine at 18%. I don't have a problem with that, but all of a sudden some of that leverage that I thought I was creating by going Xander and Cantlay has been removed from the equation. So that's at least something to point out. Yeah, I have my notes here. It's a can't lay fade question mark. And that's kind of another reason why I went there in the outright market. It looks like I'm going to fade into DFS. I thought he'd be sub 10%, you know, but like coming off not good form to start the whole damn year. I figured he'd kind of get like the Will Zalatoris treatment of not good form, potentially injured, and just everybody bail. But it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. So let's go to the 9K range real quick. You know our thoughts on Sander. Then we got Max Home at 9,700. You know our thoughts on Finau at 9.5. I like Sanjay Imaton at 94. Yeah. I have no interest in Kyle Morikawa at 93. I am TBD on Sam Burns. If he's around 10%, I'm in. If he's 15 or higher, I'm out. Can't lay. I think I'm going to be out if he's approaching 20%. Hovland, I probably will be out on Hovland too. But what are your thoughts? Oh, Hovland's 8K. Jump the gun there. So can't lay Burns, Morikawa, Sanjay, Finau, Homa. Xander, I think Xander's a lock for us, no matter what. Finau, I think we're both very interested in ownership. If he gets like 25%, I doubt that happens, but I'll, I'll probably bail just on principle and just go to Sanjay and Max Helma maybe a little bit more. I do trust Max Helma, um, but otherwise, you know, I'd love to find the extra $200 for Xander Schauffler. Would you agree that between, I guess, let's say Xander, Max Helma, Tony Finau, Patrick Cantlay. I mean, you probably can only pick two of those. Yes. Unless you just abandon the 10K and John Rahm range, you could probably maybe get three. I don't I know. I don't really love the bottom route. of the board too much. So, I, yeah, I would say you're picking one or two, and Xander's going to be that guy for me no matter what. Same. So now it's kind of a decision between Cantlay's out. Let's just assume he's, you know, 18 to 20% owned. We're out on that. It's between Sam Burns, Colin Morkow is out for me. Um, Sam Burns, Finau, Homa, Sanjay M. I think I like Sanjay M more than all those guys. Yeah, I will say this. Like Morikawa is probably the first name that's just out for me. I'm not playing Morikawa. It's the same reason why I didn't play him last week. There's variations of how you can use him. I don't think a 20% owned version of him is ever really the route to go with it. I'm not as inclined to want to say Cantlay is out for me. I, I kind of still think he has so much win equity here. I'd like to see where those numbers end up going. Um, Max Homa is the tricky one because I think he's just safe. But like, are you paying that much for safety? I don't think so. Like, I I kind of wrote this in my Rotoballer article also. Uh, I included him in the list of players that like I was considering, and I stand by that because I still haven't removed him yet. But I'm not so sure a $9,700, 20% version of him is really what I want. Like, that's, look, I mean, my model thinks he's a top five player 
for this event. And maybe there's a reason why he's won this tournament before, which uh, the funny story to that. I don't know if you remember this, like the first message I ever got from you came from this tournament. When you won uh, on Homer, right? When Max Homer yeah. won and you sent me a message <laughs> to do this show and uh, like everything kind of went from there. So I never want to say a bad word about Homa here. I feel like better golf started with Max Homa at the Genesis, but I kind of am more inclined to want to go to, I mean, I'm definitely playing Xander. I don't think there's a percentage that's like, I mean, sure. If it got to some absurd amount, we can have a different discussion here. But I think even with that being said, what my idea of an absurd amount is, isn't ever going to be doable and it's never going to happen. So like Xander is being played for me. And then I don't know, like it's a really tough decision between Finau and Cantlay. I, I don't know which way I want to go. And, and I agree. Sungjae is the other name that I'm throwing in because you can create leverage that way. He's second in my model in strokes gain, uh, a weighted strokes gain T to green perspective. It's kind of the similar mentality of what we saw with Joaquin Neiman last year, where yeah. the course history was not great coming into this tournament. But when I ran my model for this tournament, Neiman jumped into the top 10 from weighted T to green. It's the same exact answer that's happening with Sungjae. I ran the weighted T to green in the exact specification that I ran it last year. So I think Sungjae has real win equity at like 10 to 12%, but really the answer comes down to, so if it's Xander and Sungjae for me, I have to make a decision between Finau and Cantlay. And then it comes down to, do I want to play anybody else in that range? And I'm kind of inclined to say no, maybe Sam Burns, as you said, if you're telling me like, if we could, if we could get sub 8%, I think I'd have to bite at that number, but I see 12 and a half percent right now. It's kind of proper for where I think it should be. So we'd have to see a decrease for me to want to go there. Yeah, for sure. I'm with you there. That's a, it's, that's the head. I mean, the whole top of the board's a headache, but I think if you just choose one of the top guys and just plant your flag there and, and you sleep at night because you, you made a decision that probably need to be made at just taking one. I think that is perfectly fine. Nine care. Yeah. Sanjay. I, I just don't know what to do about Fina for the love of him. Max Homa, it, the course history, like that's probably what's driving up ownership here. What is he? Yeah. Tenth last year, one, then he was fifth. So obviously he loves this course and his game is probably the best it's ever been. So, you know, maybe there's higher upside than we are both leading to believe here on the show. But uh, I would just like personally, like gun to head, no matter what, Max Homa, Tony Fina, I'm taking Tony Fina just on any course. And then, for a two hundred dollar more discussion, I would find two hundred dollars to play Xander Schauffele for Max Homa. So I think that's I, yeah. I, I think ahead. just really quickly to that, I think that's like the best way to to word it. It's I like Max Homa. I, I think there's situations where Max Homa is very playable, but when I start comparing him to Xander, I'm gonna play Xander every single time. When I compare him to Fina, I'm gonna play Fina every single time. The real discussion becomes between him and Cantlay if the ownership is similar there. But even still, I don't know how much I want to start. I don't know how much I want to start fitting in three $9,000 golfers that are all 20% plus. Yeah, no doubt. Because it, that's... Th that's the hardest way to try to separate builds when you're building in that capacity that everybody seems to be going because there's only so many ways to deviate down beneath. I don't love the bottom of this board. And there's a lot of chalky spots where I have a general idea that people are going to go to, but it, it makes builds more difficult in my perspective with it. Yeah, I would I would 100% agree with that. Let's go to the AK range. What do we got here? Pulling that up. Okay, so Victor Hovland chalk at 8,900. I'm seeing 
20%. Are you seeing it? So the highest owned guys in my polls so far are Fina, well, Rory number one, Finau two, JT three, Hovland four, and Xander five. Xander, I'm okay with. Hovland, I'm going to be out. Cameron Young, probably out. Uh, the reason I'm out on Hovland, like, again, his ownership is going to be there because the public absolutely loves course history. This is a, one of the more predictable courses. But like you said, we were both on Joaquin Neiman last year. And the way to tee to green, like the highest grading for me, it was just tee to green overall. So I want overall good players. And, you know, Hovland is, is certainly is fine there too. But in form, he was lighting up golf before he came to this event when he got his, was he two tied for fifths in course history there? I should have that up, but I do not. But what, like, why do people love Hovland so much right now? Yeah, Hovland. Um, tied fourth and tied fifth. Yeah. Yeah. So two top fives in two years in a row. But again, his form coming into those two events in 2021 and 2022 were fantastic. I'm going to be out just on ownership if it's that high. Cameron Young, I don't know. I'm not really a Cameron Young guy. I know he tore it up here last year. Um, if he's sub 10%, I'm seeing right at 10% now, I'd, I'll probably give it a whirl in MME, but he's not going to be in my single entry thoughts. What are your thoughts on Will Z 8,700? You know my thoughts on Spieth 8,600. I, I don't think I care what his ownership is. If it's over 15, I'll probably reconsider just because like what you said about JT, the volatility is there certainly. But Jordan Spieth, I do strongly believe has win equity in his price with guys that really don't. Um, other than, you know, I, d- I did make a bet on Tom Kim and sure Matt Fitzpatrick does. But other than that, I, I don't really trust Hideki's game. It seems like the betting market doesn't trust Hideki's game right now. He seems to be a dog everywhere. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Will Z? Boomer bust. I mean, that's probably yeah. the best way to describe him. And some ten percent. Yeah, I think we go with the boom. I don't. I don't hate it. Like anytime you get a sub ten percent golfer that actually can win an event, it intrigues me. I, I don't know if. Look, Is he I hurt? Mean, like, like that's no one pro- really made a comment about why he didn't play last week. It's just Twitter I, saying he's hurt. I would be concerned with that. I don't think you're missing elevated events unless something's wrong. Especially when you're, you're young and like him. So that is maybe a concern. And he was terrible um, ball striker at the farmers. So yeah, that is a decision you probably need to just make on your own. Are you okay with taking massive risk for, you know, massive boom? We've seen it. Um, or would you rather just save your money and go to, like, I, I'm going to take Jordan Spieth. I think he'll be in my single entry line no matter what. I'm sold. I'm going to be a fanboy this week. Um, we'll go down to 8,500. Tom Kim, sub 10%. I think this is a fantastic spot for him. I was very pleased with how he handled the very fast screens of Phoenix. I think it will be, you know, similar to what we see at Riviera. Short game cleanup, everything's there. Jason Day, man, the <laughs> price went up a ton. 8,400 Jason Day. I didn't think we'd ever see the day, pun intended, I guess, but Thoughts on Jason Day? I'm fine with the price. I, I don't have a problem there. I kind of hate the ownership. I think anything over 10% is asking for trouble with his. That's why I failed last week, dude. That sucks, too, because he was very high in my numbers. I think he was ninth overall. We talked about him on every show, mainly like a lot on action. And I saw 10% plus ownership when he was piled around guys that I liked just as much. If not, no, I didn't like them more, but they were like all two to 4% in that price range that the guys that I liked. And I went there and I just, I regret that because it would have been a, a much better, obviously like I had like 70% time fleet what I planned my flag there last week. And again, I'll eat that, but 
Oh, Jason Day would have helped. It would have got me off of that much Tommy Fleetwood too, just because the optimizer yeah. would have had to mix it up. And I I played yeah, Day and... last week. Day was in my player pool. Uh, I did not remove him. I am removing him this week. So I don't I don't oh. want to say I'm the Jason Day whisperer at this point, but uh, I I don't know. I kind of feel like the Jason Day whisperer. Is it just due to lack of playing this event for, I mean, like that's, that means something to me too. He did play in 2020. He was, you know, he got cut. He's been going on with injuries for the last four or five years, but he hasn't played this event in a long time to warrant 12 to 15% ownership. When Matt Fitzpatrick is cheaper than you, what are your thoughts on Matt Fitzpatrick? I feel like for Jason day, similar to what we just said about Max Homa, I'd rather go up a tidbit to Xander there and down Tony Finau for Jason Day, I'd rather just go up 100 bucks for Tom Kim, absolutely, yeah. or down $100 if Matt Fitzpatrick ownership is nothing. Yep, that's the exact move that I'd want to make. And I, I would give the same answer that you gave with Hovland. I don't have a problem with Hovland. I think the ownership is too high for that reason. He's out. I am kind of willing to play Cameron Young. We'll see. I haven't like made that decision yet. I, I'm obviously more aggressive with him than you are. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that necessarily. I've been trying to trade him on our season long league for the past two weeks and nobody will take him. But I like Cameron Young. I think he has that high end game that can pop at any point. And this is a really good course for him. Like, obviously, he almost won the tournament last year. That's not going out on a limb when I say that. And I think, unfortunately, because of that result, it has bumped some of the ownership up more than it should be. But I was anticipating at some point this to reach into the territory of like, 17 to 20%. I see 13 and a half percent. That's doable. If, if you like Cameron young this week, and then I am kind of willing to go back to Tom Kim for the same answer. And um, whether that's up to Tom Kim or down to Matthew Fitzpatrick and maybe even down to Hideki. Now, anytime I've ever gone against the sharp movement with Hideki, he has missed every single cut every single time I've done that. So I don't have a good track record of trying to go against that. But my model really likes Hideki this weekend. I don't know what other people don't see with him and why he's a massive underdog in all these matchups and his outright number is moving in the wrong direction. And there's, there's a bunch that would be worrisome, but I don't know. I always think difficult golf courses an $8,000 Hideki Matsuyama. That's where he provides his best finishes. Cause all of a sudden a top 10 goes a long way. Pinnacle's got him as a 19-point dog in a matchup to Jason Day. That just seems a little, a little much. Like, yeah, are you, would you bet against Jason Day? For I, it, it, I would take Hideki in that matchup if I was getting a plus number there. My only issue is Hideki is somehow a short hitter off the tee these days. So, again, I don't, I don't, like, I value distance here a little bit. I don't care too much, um, but it has been a good trend that I've seen for people that have won this in the past couple of years, they are seem to be gaining distance on the field in their past couple of events. Hideki has not done that, but 8,200, there's not, there's no one 8,200 or below that has as much win equity as Hideki Matsuyama. No, I would, I would agree with that. And that's kind of the intrigue around it in my eyes. And I haven't made the decision yet. I like, to me, it matters. And it especially matters when you're an underdog, to golfers that I'm not necessarily super aggressively trying to back. And I don't hate Jason day this week. I'll, I'll never give that comment on a show, but there are problems to be a 19 point underdog at a book that I respect. And 
that is the consensus across the board. Yeah. And, and as I said, I've never one time bucked that trend and been right, but probably going to do it again this week and test my luck. <laughs> All right. Tyrrell Hatton, 70 or 8,100. I'm seeing 7% owned. I'm cool with that. I like Tyrrell Hatton. I liked him a ton last week. I know you did too. Um, played great. I, I think I could go back to the well there at low ownership for a guy that could just get lights out hot on the greens. Um, that's kind of all I really care about for guys that are low owned that have win equity. Justin Rose at 8K. I don't know him and Adam Scott. Adam Scott is going to be chalk of the chalk because of the course history. I'm going to be out on Adam Scott. Uh, thoughts on Justin Rose? I I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's I'm one not, of those situations because he won a golf tournament. Nobody wants to play him now, which doesn't make any sense. And yeah, and my, my mind's saying the same thing too. Yeah. I, I think everybody's, I like, I see him 5% or sub 5% in pretty much any way that I've run this from an ownership perspective of all the aggregated sites that I use. So I, I don't know, like it's an $8,000 range for me where pricing seems to be pretty accurate in most of these spots. I, I, I if you look at Fitzpatrick, there's more, upside there than probably meets the eye. I, I think that's why he's one of my preferred plays. You mentioned Spieth. I'm not necessarily as aggressive as you, but I understand the reasoning behind it. I don't have a problem with that. Everything else from there seems to be golfers that are either where they should be priced or way over-owned in the eyes of like what we get with Adam Scott here. My model loves Adam Scott. I hate the ownership. It's one of those games where I'm just going to miss out at a 15% plus Adam Scott, unfortunately. But I don't know if you tell me Justin Rose is 5%. He's, I mean, I'm scrolling through my model right now. I think he's the best leverage play that I have from anybody $8,000 or up. The price tag seems to be correct. Like I think $8,000 is fair. Absolutely. No, I think it's a, it's an ownership play for sure. Like you said, the leverage is, potentially you know likely going to be there especially when it's pure leverage right off the bat and scott if you want to fade that at the same price and i think the game is good like i want to point that out but there's players that get hot for stretches of time and i don't actually believe like we can i'm sure there's countless examples of that that we've talked about i always say that with denny mccarthy like the game is not sustainable for what he's doing i think everything justin rose is doing for the most part seems pretty sustainable to me like sure he gets some random spike weeks here and there but I thought he's looked good for the last three or four months. Five straight top 30s. I think Justin Rose would agree with you too that his game yeah. is in a good spot. I'm cool with that. Let's go to 7K range. Ricky Fowler looks like he is back. I'm cool with that price. Sibu Kim, 7,900. I'm cool with that price. A mixed bag, of course, history here for Sibu Kim. I usually play Sibu Kim when he's sub 5%. I don't know if we'll get that this week. I have a ton of interest in a guy I never play. I don't know if I've ever said I'm not going to fade him but he's always a public favorite. Pigala, I like him a yeah, lot too. this week at 5% ownership right now I'm seeing, especially when Wyndham Clark's going to be closer to 15% owned. I know Wyndham Clark is playing fantastic this year. I believe he's got good course history too. Let me pull that up. Sorry. Yeah, Clark and yeah, um, Rodgers are two guys that always play well here. Yeah, I'll, I'm – Give me Thigala over Wyndham Clark all day long in DFS Same. terms, at least. Uh, Seamus, I'm not really a Seamus guy. Keegan Bradley is going to be popular at 7,700. Corey Connors, I don't know if he's ever made the cut at this event. My numbers love him. And I waited course history like decently is like closer to 10%. So it's one of the higher ones again for me. What are your thoughts on Corey Connors? I mean, outside of the putting, 
his around the green has actually been positive this year. So that's why I think my numbers like him a lot because the recent boost in around the green, again, my mile is a little more recency biased. But Corey Connors at, I'm seeing 3% flat. I like the 3%, Nick. I have to be honest, in the $7,000 range, there's not a lot of players that my model is super aggressive on that it wants to back. Uh, the Gala would be one. I, I Look, 5% ownership for a golfer that could actually go out and win this tournament. Sign me up for that. I, I think the goal is probably one of the better like win equity options that we can find in this range. I don't necessarily have a massive take one way or another on Connors. You know that Connors is always a golfer that I love. Uh, I okay. love his ball striking. I, I love a lot of the things that he brings to the table. And I don't know if I'm going to get there this week, but like the problem is with that comment that I just said, and I, apparently at this point I have a sickness because I can't stop doing it. And the guy <laughs> has proven that he has absolutely, we want to talk about no win equity. Like this guy actually may have zero win equity. I like Brian Harmon every single week. And I know oh, distance yeah. here quote unquote matters. And it's like, sure. If you can hit the ball further, you can find success, but you don't have to look any further than when Bryson DeChambeau won the U S open a couple years ago. Harmon was right there. You know, like for the most part, like he was competing on, I believe the first page of that leaderboard for a little bit. I don't remember where he finished, but um, he's a guy for me to where anytime that it's a longer course and he doesn't necessarily have that prototypical short game that is like we watch him play. And, and I think part of his strength is he's really good at three putt avoidance and he's really good at some of those like outlier type things. Well, these are really large greens. So if you're telling me that he can putt from off the surface, it's like the same answer that I gave for Hovland. I think he can find success here. And I, I think he always plays well on a difficult course. So I'm going to go to Harmon. I like your KH Lee call. I pretty much everything across the board, the price tag is too cheap. The ownership seems to be a little bit too cheap. I, I'd like to get your thoughts on Shane Lowry. I, I guess there's upside. It's kind of the same answer that I would give with Fleetwood just, there's similar upside with slightly less ownership than you're going to get with Fleetwood. Yeah. I'm a little worried about Shane Lowry though. He has not played well sure. in quite some time uh, losing strokes in both of his last events significantly with like literally every club, I believe. Let me pull up Phoenix, just go round by round. I know he only lasted two rounds, but Shane Lowry round one 80th in ball uh, strokes can approach. That concerns me terrible off the tee. Terrible tee to green, obviously, if your approach is that bad. But got worse in round two, 111th in strokes gained approach. That's what worries me. I know the weather in the first two rounds were a little, you know, abnormal, but Shane Lowry is a European golfer, plays in sure. Ireland. Like, when shouldn't make him a significantly worse golfer than the field? He's much better than that. Like, he is not that bad of a ball striker by any means. Um, I'd say it's GPP upside, but for me, I, I think, like, I'd rather I'd rather go to Keith Mitchell $100 I, more for a guy that I trust a lot more. I, I think it's an interesting answer, and, and I have not, for the record, decided to put Lowry into my player pool. I don't even think I included him in my article yesterday. The more we talk about this, and even with his ownership trickling up to IC 6.2% right now, maybe the way to play this is Shane Lowry top 20. Something sure, like yeah. that to where you can yep. get the upside and – like the safety numbers in my model are horrendous. Like the safety numbers are pretty much, you know, putting him in a 50, 50 spot to miss the cut. And that's it, not what I want on a 6% golfer that I don't know what the win equity actually is. Like 
The market wants to tell us that he's a hundred to one plus golfer, which sure I can, I can buy that even if my model likes him a little bit more from the upside numbers that I'm running, but there's a downside to be had for what you just mentioned with the ball striking to where this could go south and this can go south fast and he can miss the cut. And if I'm going to play him at like 12, 15%, I don't know if I necessarily want to put him into lineups based off of that. So maybe I will just use him as a top 20 bet and try to get my value in that way. And then I guess the other golfer that other than Fleetwood, who I think has similar upside, which maybe he's also a better top 20 bet than anything else. I'd like to get your thoughts on JT Poston. I'm probably going to go back to the well again. I mean, he is the other guy that is on my list here for top 40 um, question marks. Didn't get the price. Um, The only guys I put in that range outside of the long shot win equity guys, Cage Lee was in both. Taylor Moore on FanDuel. Uh, Top 40 was something I'm interested in. But again, plus 145. I'm not sure. I believe that, you know, sure, his form's great that, he doesn't, I have him priced at plus 150. I figured he'd be closer to like the 185 mark in this field. But again, everything in these finishing positions and matchup bets are just squeezed to the absolute. It's so bad. Fucking hell. I hate it. My God. Um, and then JT Poston was the other one. So I'm definitely in on JT Poston. Um, I'm seeing 3% ownership on him too. What do you have, Matt? Three. Yeah, I have Poston at uh, 3.04, 3. so 3% there. Love it. All right, question of the day for every show. Um, I actually, I do like Scott Stallings at 7,100. I did a little too. Um, I don't ever play Kuchar, don't care. Like, I don't even look at his numbers if they're good for me. I just don't play Matt Kuchar. There's something about his face. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Like, I, he's got one of those face. Like, he's probably, actually, I don't know if he's a nice guy. He's got the rumors that he stipped you know, stiffed his caddies a couple of times. I've never met him, so I can't talk bad about him, but something about his face just rubs me the wrong way. And he's like an old guy. I don't really like his swing. A lot of things that I don't like about him, but. Matt Kuchar's uh, just an asshole. That's what we've come down to the realization of. Is he actually, though? He seems like such a nice guy, but. What's his you know, I, I don't know. I say that like as a joke, but I have bad feelings that when all those comments come out that he's like stiffing his caddy that he hired for, that tournament at, what was that Mayakoba and like I, I don't know when you start getting news like that it's not great yeah 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 bad vibes tip your dealers too when you're in Vegas like you know keep get a, tip your caddy do everything good vibes but um my favorite plays down there JT Postman was one of them before or after you mentioned it I was going to bring him up and then Cameron Davis <laughs> I will buy low on Cameron Davis because he like like who like Thigala and usually Cameron Young they're always 15% owned and Cameron Davis price is dropping down so again the form's not there he took you know the week off out of Phoenix I don't think he even qualified did he and he's out of the Masters as we discussed um this weekend which sucks because that was half the reason I drafted him I probably should have looked into that more and known what the hell I was doing but um, I'm going to play Cameron Davis. And if he doesn't make the cut this week, I, or he does, he disappoints. I will trade him to you because I know you're a believer. Um, but I'm playing Cameron Davis significantly. Like I'm not going to play Patrick Rogers likely if he's going to be 10% owned seven K chalk. I don't play the punt chalk. I will go to Cameron Davis and I like Scott Stallings and Taylor Moore. We'll see what the ownership's like. JT Poston, I like a ton, but Tiger Woods, what are you doing? I'm out. I, I- I, I can't get there. Yeah. If he beats me, he beats me. Congratulations. I, I, and I hope he does. It's great for golf. If he decides to make a run at this tournament, but I think if I, like, if I didn't have one MME lineup cash, I think I'd still be happy if Tiger's like 
involved on Sunday, like in the running. I think just, again, like my pure enjoyment of just watching him and what it does for golf, like you said, would be just fine. And I'll sleep at night knowing I uh, burnt away one of the slot jackpots on an MME contest because I faded Tiger Woods. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Before for the record, we... I don't even like slot machines. I just want that to be known. I'm not a slot player. It just happened this week. So I saw a lot of Vegas, winning tickets, a lot of winning tickets <laughs> in slots. Yeah. What are you going to do? Before we move and... on, um, have you at least seen the offer that I've sent you for Cameron Davis? Uh, not the latest one. When did you send it? Was it this weekend? Yeah, I sent it out. I mean, it's what we talked about with it, but the offer is on the table. All right. Cameron Davis, Michael Kim. I do like Michael Kim. I you, get can give, you can give me whoever you don't want that you were going to okay. drop. I'll take whoever that person is. All right. Live on the X. I do like Molinax. So Spencer's offering me Taylor Moore and Trey Molinax for Cam Davis and Michael Kim. Uh, Michael Kim's kind of just like a placeholder guy in my life. I'm dropping him. Uh, so if you want to keep him, I don't know how the site works. I, I, you can keep Michael Kim. Like I, I don't need him. I, I cut him too. I think knowing my roster, I don't think he, he I think he's the admin now, but all right, I'll put it this way. Let's go. Molinex is in the field, right? Uh, yes. I would say Taylor Moore's in great form. So saying Taylor Moore finishes ahead of Cam Davis isn't really fair. If Trey Molinex finishes ahead of Cameron Davis, or they both miss the cut, I will accept this trade effective Sunday morning. I feel like these are terrible negotiations. I, Taylor Moore is more expensive than Cameron Davis this week. Now, granted, I like Cameron Davis more for this tournament. I'll throw that out there, but... Um, I'll also give you this option. I don't need to start. I haven't won a game yet. Ever, you know, have you seen how many points I am giving up a week? 500. Yeah, you're getting everybody's it's locker room talk, man. The, the players rally around playing TL sports right now. It's, it it's DraftKings it scoring for anybody out there listening. It is DraftKings scoring 515 points a week. That is what's being scored against me. Every single lineup is competing for GPPs. It's great. It's the worst look I've ever seen in my life. What Welcome I was to late, buddy. Welcome to the show. <laughs> what I was going to say to that, though, is I don't need to start Cameron Davis this week. Uh, so if for some reason you want to start Cameron Davis and you like, I I'm don't sorry. need that trade to be pushed through. Okay. Yeah. No, if, uh, if Molinax finishes better than Cameron Davis and you still want the trade, I will accept. What, 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 what if Taylor Moore finishes better? That's fine too. I just figured that's kind of a, a bad I mean, the odds on Taylor Moore are shorter than Cameron Davis. But yeah, that's fine. Either one. If well, either one of those guys beats Cam Davis this week, he's yours. Because I got no room on my team for selectors. The, the way that I'm running right now, Cameron Davis is going to win this golf tournament. And I will not get him. So, And he'll be in the Masters. And I tried so hard to get him on my team. This, this is where is this is way in. This is right. This is, this is destiny. I like that. Um, <laughs> anybody in the 6K range you like before we get out of here? Um, let me scroll through this very quickly. I, I, I don't do know. Like Christian Bezaden, how, I guess, because of his upside at sub 1%. Okay. I'm out on English after what I saw last week. He just yeah. fell apart. That was a big leverage play for me that leveraged me to miss cuts. So thank you. What about Justin? I, Suh? I think this is a decent course for a guy like him. Yeah. I like Justin. Suh. I like, we've, we've talked a lot about him off this show. He has more upside than a $6,700 price tag, specifically for a golfer that I have at sub 1% right now. I don't know if he's going to turn it around, but I think if he does, this is a golfer that we could very quickly see in the $8,000 range in a couple months. 
about i mean again it's no one's going to play these guys that suck around the green and for some i don't know if it matters if you're like again hobbling like if you're just hitting greens yeah. in regulation or you could putt and kind of or hit like a texas wedge up there what about davis thompson everybody loved him last week i kind of like him this week at 6700 I'm scared. I'm scared because of the around the green game, but it's kind of what you just said. If the ball striking is that magnificent, does it matter? Uh, for whatever this is worth, I am not starting him in the season long leagues. So every time I bench somebody, they seem to produce a top 10 finish. So maybe that's a, a sign for Davis Thompson to make a run here. But my model did not necessarily care for him. I just had so much short game being run for me. Like he's 86th overall. There's Sure, like from an upside perspective, if we want to look at just the actual ball striking returns, but the short game's bad. Like, it's really bad. Right on. All right. Anybody else in the 6K range before we get out here that you like? It's kind of a boring answer, but no, not not really. Maybe Emiliano Grio. Yeah, that guy burned everybody last week. He was yeah. the low-punch chalk. All right. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's all I have. I got I to gotta head out. All right, so let's wrap this up then. Um, if you're not doing so already, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Sticks I am at Off Sports. As I said at the beginning of this, we thank everybody out there that makes us a part of their weekly process here. Uh, we couldn't do this show without all you guys, so thank you for tuning in every single week, and we will see you back here next week. Uh, anything else you want to add to that, Nick? No, good luck to everybody, and yeah, like you said, greatly appreciate the support. All right, guys, we will see you here next week. Thanks again.